This is an abbreviated re-recording of a teaching I presented at Orchard's Church on Sunday, May 16th. Today we move into the fourth chapter of the book of Colossians. I do want to remind you that in the fourth chapter, Paul is bringing forward what he has already begun to speak about when he said in what we call Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. We understand what follows from that verse is an explanation of what it looks like to do all that we do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and to do it with a thankful heart. In the passage that immediately follows what Paul has said, he talks about these central household and vocational relationships that most people find themselves in. So here's what it might look like to live in the name of the Lord, to speak and act in the name of the Lord. And he talks about how we can relate to each other as spouses, how we can relate to each other as parents to children, children to parents, and then finally uh, in our vocation, how we relate to each other as supervisors over us or those that are under us. Uh, he says slaves and masters here. It's easy to make the connection that that could be the same as employers and employees or partners or managers and so forth. Now Paul moves into a much more generalized set of instructions about how to live in general for all believers, again, doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with a thankful heart. So now let's take a look at today's passage. This is Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Two things Paul talks about here. The first is prayer, and then the second is specifically proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. Still in the context of prayer, he's asking for prayer, but he gives us some insight into his perspective on what it is to proclaim the message of Christ. So let's take these two things separately. First of all, prayer. You remember that in another place, Paul writes, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. We can go a lot of places in imagining what he must have meant by that. We pray in many different ways. We pray in praise and worship. We pray in repentance. We pray intercessory prayers. We pray prayers of confession. We pray prayers of thanksgiving. And I imagine that the kind of prayer Paul talks about here is what he probably had in mind when he talked about praying without ceasing. It would seem to be a challenge to endlessly pray prayers of petition, to go on at length uh, bringing all kinds of needs to God, although we certainly can do that. And any one of us could create quite the prayer list if we took into account our lives, the lives of those that are closest to us, and then concentric circles out from there, ultimately praying for the entire world. We could pray for a long time. But Paul seems to be speaking in both the passages, Pray Without Ceasing and this passage here, to be speaking of a posture or an attitude of prayer that we can stay in really all day long. So again, the words are devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And these are those two postures that we can take. 
<clears throat> the watchful posture is a posture in which we are looking forward to what's about to happen, what is going on, what is God doing today in the world around me, in the relationships in front of me, in my own heart. What is God doing? The sense of watchfulness. I know Jesus is alive. I know the Holy Spirit is present in me and others around me and near me. What is God doing? What is Jesus doing? I'm watching. I'm anticipating. I know that as I go about my day, he is present, and I'm waiting to see what he will do around me and through me. And this is that sense of watchfulness. When it comes to thankfulness, that's a posture that we can take in relationship to our past. Watchfulness is a posture looking toward the future. Thankfulness is a posture looking to the past. We can do a lot with our past. We can do a lot with what happened earlier today or what happened yesterday or last week. And often, unfortunately, we can go to places of regret or confusion or sometimes rethinking and overthinking things that maybe we shouldn't, that we shouldn't revisit, but they should be left alone. And instead, we should begin to cover all that happened before today simply with a posture of thanksgiving. We take what we saw happen, what we experienced, what we said, what we did, and we thank God for what in it was truly good and what was truly for him. What can we be thankful for? This is the way we want to leave our memories <clears throat> of yesterday and all days before now, is to be thanking God for what has happened in the past and then watching to see what God will do in the future. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. From here, Paul moves into talking about praying for him. He says, pray for me as well. Obviously, the assumption is that in the watchfulness and the thankfulness, we're praying generally around our own life, our own story, our own experience. But now Paul is requesting prayer for himself, and it goes to the place where Paul's heart always is, and that is the call that is on his life to share the gospel. So he says this, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Let's take this in two parts as well. First of all says, and pray that God may open a door for our message. Paul understands the dynamics of the work of the Holy Spirit when it comes to people receiving, hearing and receiving the truth about God. He knows that unless God softens a heart, unless God opens ears, the message we share about Christ will not be received. <clears throat> the enemy hides the message. The enemy lies to humans about who God is and what he's done. From the very beginning, he lied to Eve when he approached her about violating the command of God to eat the fruit from the tree of good and evil. And he sowed seeds of doubt, and he challenged who God was, and he brought confusion and doubt around who God is. And this enemy continues to speak to humans everywhere, lies and confusion about the truth. So unless God provides by the Holy Spirit an open heart, an open mind, uh, understanding it's not going to happen. So Paul says, pray for us for an open door. And really that open door means open hearts or places that we can speak into. You've seen me and others here at Orchard's Church wearing t-shirts that say Forward Edge on them. And those t-shirts are 
uh, from a short-term mission organization that several of us have participated in. And I just want to explain to you a little bit about that name, Forward Edge. Uh, Joseph Enfuso, the founder and president of Forward Edge, was seeking to name this ministry that God was birthing through him, and in prayer came to this idea of Forward Edge. And what Joseph means by that is his desire as people partner with this ministry was that they would learn what the forward edge is to their life. Specifically, what's the edge of growth or discipleship or maturity for me? What is the edge out in front of me <clears throat> becoming like Christ? And also along with that, what is the kind of the missional edge of my life? Where does my life intersect the mission of God? What is the forward edge of the gospel in my life? And I think this is very parallel to what Paul was saying about praying for open doors. Paul was always asking God, where do I go next? Uh, we hear him talk about heading to Rome or heading to Spain or heading to Asia Minor through prayer and seeking God. Where is the open door? Where is the next place that I should be? Certainly, Paul had a unique calling on his life. Not all of us are called to be traveling apostles or evangelists, sharing the story of Jesus wherever we possibly can. But every one of us is truly called to pay attention to the forward edge of our own life. What people in front of me, uh, what relationships do I have? What communities of people around me are in need of knowing the story of Jesus, of hearing the gospel? I believe that every believer has opportunities and even um, a calling to express their story to people on that forward edge, that missional edge of their own life. <clears throat> In fact, I want to encourage you right now to uh, pause this recording and think through and pray through this one question just for a couple of minutes. What is the forward edge of my life? What is the missional edge of my life? In other words, who are the people or the communities of people or the places where I have opportunity with influence to share the story of Jesus? Where is there an open door for the message of the mystery of Christ in my life? Pause the recording. Take a couple of minutes. Come up with some names or some communities that you're a part of that you could consider the open door or the missional edge in your life. I want you to keep those names in mind as we continue to go on. And let's move into the second part of this particular um, verse here. Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly, speaking of the gospel message. I believe all of us are regularly learning more and more about who Jesus is and what he's done. And um, our understanding is continually expanding. And as we study, and as we live, and as the Holy Spirit talks to us, <clears throat> and as we are taught by teachers through sermons like this one, or podcasts, or Bible studies with friends, we're always learning more and more about Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> who they are together, what they've done, and what that makes us, and what we can do. And in this, I believe that we should also be learning how to more and more clearly speak that story to other people. Hopefully, as we learn, we are able to articulate what we are learning. 
And I believe this is what Paul was asking for when he said, pray for me that I may proclaim this message clearly. What does it look like for us to continue to get better and better at speaking the story of Jesus Christ clearly and speaking it well? We could go a lot of places in talking about that, but today I want to focus on just two places where I believe that the church in general, Christians especially here in America, could more clearly articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think there are a couple of places where we're not very clear, where we could become more clear. The first of these places is uh, when we speak of what is the most important thing when it comes to the message of Jesus. And some would say, and some have made it, a person's relationship with sin. They would say, in a nutshell, the gospel is about your relationship to sin. Realizing that you are a person who sins. You are a sinner. Realizing that sin keeps you from God. And knowing that Jesus Christ has made a way to make that right, to, to allow your sins to be forgiven as you confess them. This is a vital part of the story of God, of the story of Jesus. And it, it's important and it has to happen. But I think there's a lack of clarity there because it focuses on this idea of sin. <clears throat> and the primary thing it declares is that you are unworthy to um, be in relationship with God and this needs to be dealt with. And then once my relationship with sin is dealt with, once I confess it and I'm forgiven, that's kind of the whole of this story. Now my relationship with sin has been resolved. And yet I believe that the more clear message, the more central message about the story of Jesus Christ is actually not about our relationship with sin, but about our relationship with God himself. Jesus regularly said, I have come that you might know the Father that you might know his love for you. I have come to reestablish a healthy and peaceful relationship between humans and my Father. This is why I came. So the central message and the central relationship in the story of Jesus is not our relationship with sin. It's our relationship to God. Jesus always began with the good news of the love and the power of God for people. He always began with um, a conversation about what would you like me to do for you? What do you need? Um, What is it that your heart aches for? And then he would immediately show how God the Father is able to provide those very things, whether it was to heal a limb or take away a disease or rescue a child from uncontrollable and violent demonic fits. You know, what is the need you have? My father is the one who can take care of that need. That's where he began. Now, very quickly, of course, there is the need to address this reality of sin. So sometimes we saw him heal someone and then say, now go and sin no more. When the woman was caught in adultery, uh, he said, who condemns you? And ultimately, nobody did. And then Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. In other words, you're forgiven. Now, let's deal with sin. Go and sin no more. So yes, our relationship to sin is important, but it's a subservient relationship to our relationship with God the Father. That's the relationship that the gospel speaks to. 
and it speaks to it in the language of sin, yes, and forgiveness, but ultimately it speaks to it as an eternal and ongoing relationship that God truly becomes my father and I now relate to him as the one who protects me, as the one who has gone before me, as the one who provides for me. He speaks of the relationship of Jesus as the king of the kingdom of God. So now I'm brought into that relationship of obedience, of following and being a friend of Jesus. These are the relationships that are central to the gospel. And they aren't dealt with with a simple prayer, but rather they are something to which I give the rest of my life. The gospel is a call not to this one-time prayer and experience of dealing with sin and getting it over with. The gospel is about a redirection of a human life entirely away from self and away from other pursuits toward God himself. The pursuit of God, of love, of faith, and of hope. This is what it is to step into the story of Jesus, to answer the call when Jesus says, follow me. We say, yes, Lord, I follow you. I surrender who I've been to you and what I've done to you. Thank you for forgiving me for my sins. And now I embrace a new life with a new heart, a new mind, a new purpose. And that purpose being to be a part of the community of God. The second place where I believe that we can often be in our culture, our Christian culture, uh, unclear about the gospel is in this element of <clears throat> where we focus when it comes to the story of God. We, in our current language and presentation of the truth, talk much about the cross and how Jesus died on the cross for your sins. We talk about the crucifixion, and this is centrally important but it's an incomplete gospel and an unclear gospel in that regard. You remember as we went through the book of Acts, what was it that Paul referred to, and all the apostles actually, whenever they talked about the story of God, what action, what event in Christ's life did they most often reference? It was actually most often the event of resurrection. It was the resurrection. We come to share with you the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Crucifixion and resurrection absolutely go hand in hand. But we can stop the gospel short if we focus only on the cross, if we leave Jesus on the cross, if we say the cross was the, the primary reality. And that, again, is related to this idea of saying it's primarily about sin, and therefore it's primarily about the cross and the death of Jesus for your sins on the cross. This is an unclear and incomplete gospel. We must move beyond the cross to the resurrection. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Not that I might come that I might die and that sin might be taken care of. End of story. Instead, he said, I have come that you might have life. He said, I come to make all things new. I come to give you eternal life. And in this regard, because of all of this, the resurrection of Jesus is if not more central, at least equally central, to the death of Jesus Christ. And we must talk about the resurrection. And we must talk about the reality that in Christ's resurrection, there is resurrection for us as well. Yes, resurrection after the death of this body, but also resurrection now of our spirits, of our hearts and our minds, into a new way of living, into a life that is now filled with the Holy Spirit, into a life that is given over to the things from above, rather than the things from below. <clears throat> we are called now to a primary occupation with a new and different life 
which is in Christ, which is a life of love and of reconciliation and restoration rather than a life of personal fulfillment or personal happiness. And our, if we're going to share the gospel clearly, we really need to move into these two elements becoming clear. It's about a relationship with God primarily, and it's about both the death of Jesus for my sins, but beyond that, the resurrection of Jesus for a new kind of life, a new life that is lived in Christ. Again, Paul writes, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Let me encourage you here, at the end of this message, to go back and consider again those names, perhaps, that came to you when you thought about, and maybe you asked the Spirit for help, the forward edge of your life, the missional edge of your life. Go back to those names of those people who you see are in need of Jesus and who, whose lives intersect your life, and I encourage you to pray for them. Ask God, what does the open door look like when it comes to this family member or this co-worker or this friend in my life who I know needs you? What does it look like for me to pray for that open door and to walk through it with you? Use this as a chance to be as passionate and forward-moving as Paul was when it came to sharing the message of Jesus Christ clearly.